Good morning. Great crowd this morning. Really, really good to see everybody this morning. Great singing. It's just good to be together. Well, how'd you do last week? Were you kind to anybody? Did you give anybody a cup of coffee? Did you hold the door open for somebody? Did you show a random act of kindness? Or even better, were you the recipient of an act like that? We talked about kindness last week and we talked about how we all love it, but there's a difference in kindness at times. Because there's our kindness that comes with random acts, which are wonderful. I am all for them, especially if you want to share them with me. I'm definitely in favor. But then there's God's kindness. And last week we looked at a story that came from the Old Testament of where King David showed God's kindness. He reached out to a man who was lame, a man who couldn't help himself, and he brought him back. And he not only restored his prosperity and his privileges and his honor, King David took it a step further because when it comes to God's kindness, it's giving somebody a place at the table. Today, I want us to continue that same thought. But we're not going to look at it from a story from the Old Testament or through even the life of somebody who is human and fallible like us. We're going to look at it directly from the king himself of where Jesus reached out and showed the kindness of God to someone who was lame. I hope you have the Heavenly Library with you. I invite you to take down the Gospel of Luke and go to Luke chapter 19. Now, I need to give you a heads up. You know this story. You don't even necessarily need to turn there to know what this story is all about because everybody's heard this story, but you're going to turn there regardless, right? I need you to turn there. It's a story... It's a story that even those who are not following Christ or don't know anything about the Bible, they know or have heard of this story. But I want to set it up for you real quick with some context, all right, before we get into this story. Our Lord Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem. You see, he had been in Bethany just a little bit earlier, and he performed really what was one of the greatest miracles in his ministry, and it was a miracle that everybody was talking about. He raised Lazarus from the dead. So his popularity, you might say, was through the roof, not only with those who loved him, but even more so with those who hated him, for they were seeking to kill him and Lazarus following that miracle. So our Lord escapes to the wilderness and he stays there for a few days, but now he's making his way back to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, for now his time had come. Throughout his ministry, he had been saying over and over again, don't tell anybody about me, keep this to yourself, my time has not come. Well, now his time had come. And so he's headed back to Jerusalem to be the sacrifice, to be the lamb, to fulfill the mission. And he's passing through Jericho. Luke chapter 19, I'll begin reading in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. See there, you know this story, don't you? He was a chief tax collector and was rich. 
And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All right, have you heard that story? Have you heard that story? You know, that would be a good, there could be a good song we could probably sing about this story, right? Somebody want to write a song about this? All right. Let me just point out something to you that's not in the text. There's nothing in the text here about a wee little man, all right? Nobody went, there's the wee little guy. Can we show some respect to short people, all right? It's not in there. But what you do see in here is heavenly kindness, don't you? What you do see in this story is you see a story that is very similar to what we read last week when we talked about David and Mephibosheth. Here is a guy on the outside who is brought in. Here's a guy who is forgotten, who has been found. Here's a guy who is really hopeless, who now has hope. And here is a guy who now has a seat at the table. But not everybody's happy about that kindness. Not everybody's excited for him. In fact, most are not. Well, there's a good reason for that. There's a very good reason why the people were not excited about Zacchaeus and his salvation. In fact, they were not excited about Zacchaeus in any way, shape, or form. And here's what we know from history. We know that tax collectors... Tax collectors were not beloved individuals in the community. Now, Jericho in and of itself was really a very powerful city. It was an economic stronghold. It was one of those trade cities where everybody had to pass through Jericho, especially if you were coming from the east. You would pass through Jericho to go up into Palestine. So it's actually one of those cities in which the Romans had established a very strong and very powerful barrier with respect to taxation because any and everybody who came to the city with goods, they were going to be taxed. And the Romans taxed everything. Uh, just out of curiosity, anybody here ever complained about taxes? Anyone? Anyone? You're in church, right? Come on. Anybody just complain this past week? I can't believe how much. Oh, they're spending this now. Boy, they're going to Well, hey, I tell you what, you really ought to think about it. In this day and age, they literally taxed everything. The cart, the wheels, whatever was the produce or the product in the cart, any money made after the sale of those goods, everything was taxed. 
And here's what made it worse. The Romans knew how to do it. You see, any civilization or people that they conquered, they would go to their own people and get their own people to collect the taxes for them now that they were in control. And what they actually did is they sold tax franchises to Jews, uh, much like somebody today would get a franchise for Chick-fil-A or, or McDonald's and you would go into business. Well, they would sell the franchise to a Jew and that Jew would then be responsible for collecting taxes from his own people. And the Romans didn't care if that tax collector took a little bit more for himself. It was okay for him to rob his own people. It was okay for him to steal from his own people. As long as the Romans got their fair share, they didn't care what happened. And so tax collectors were hated. Uh, you might remember John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was baptizing people at the river, remember back at the beginning of his ministry, and he's baptizing those who came to him, and it says even some of the tax collectors came to him to be baptized. And here's what John said, no more stealing. No more stealing. Don't be taking from the people. It was common. It was a common practice. So they were hated. And they were hated so much by fellow Jews, they didn't allow them to come in the synagogue. Oh, you're the tax collector? You're out. The temple? Not happening. You are excommunicated. Even Jesus will talk about this when you get to Matthew 18. And he talks about two brothers who can't get along. Here's how you are to handle it. You go to your brother. If it doesn't resolve, you go to some witness. You go to the leaders. If that's not resolved, and then you find somebody who's in sin because of it, and it's not being resolved, you kick them out. And Jesus says, you kick them out just like you would a tax collector. In the eyes of the people, they were not just sinners. They were traitors. Jesus will also tell the story of Pharisee who goes to the temple to pray and he prays to God, Dear God, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. You see Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a hated man. And so it shouldn't surprise us when we get into the story that people are upset. People are mad. But yet it's different with this guy. It's different because when we look at the story of Zacchaeus, this story is teaching us a very important principle. And the principle is this. People are desperate to see Jesus. Now, often they may be looking in the wrong places. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of people looking for peace today. There's a lot of people looking for hope today. There's a lot of people looking for security today, but they're often looking in the wrong places. They, they may not know the right place to look for it, but they're looking. Zacchaeus was looking. And he was looking with such fervor that he was willing to climb a tree. Now, let me just go back to this real quick, all right? Many of you know Zacchaeus is one of my favorite stories. Now, don't go there because I know what you're thinking. Again, it never says anything in the text about a wee little man and a wee little man was he. That's not in there. That is fake news. Nobody goes, he was a rich guy. Oh, we just throw that out the window. He came to Jesus. Ah, forget it. He's short. Short. He's just short. He was a short, rich guy who was willing to humble himself. 
and climb a tree. He was a guy who was well known in the community, who was willing to truly humble himself and do whatever he could to see Jesus. There's people all around us who are desperately seeking Jesus. The second thing that we see in the story, and this is the part of the story that can kind of make us cringe, the fact of the matter was the reason he was having to seek so hard and the reason he had to climb the tree in the first place is because he was being blocked. Now, it doesn't necessarily say in the text that the people were blocking him out. Oh, there's that Zacchaeus guy. Let's scoot over a little bit. Everybody get in a little tighter. Don't let him in here. It doesn't say that in the text, but what it does say is that when Jesus acknowledges him and Jesus says, I'm going to your house, they didn't like it. If they weren't blocking him out before, they were wanting to block him out now. This guy shouldn't get in. Hey, you ever been to Disney World trying to see the parade? Anybody been trying to see the parade? And you got this big old tall guy in front of you, this big six foot five lug who's just standing there, and then he puts his kid on his shoulder to make it any worse, and you can't see or anything. Hey, dude, hey, dude, hey, dude. And he's blocking you out. It's like, come on, man, it's Disney World. Everybody should be able to see. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. They don't care. I tell you, it's really kind of powerful when you think about it. These are the people of God. They'd walk down the street. Hey, Sam the shepherd. How are you, buddy? Good to see you. Man, you are the best. Hey, Thaddeus the tailor. Boy, you are great. Man, these clothes look so nice. Oh, Zach. Zacchaeus, get away. But they probably just went to the other side of the street. I'm not even talking to that dude. Blocking him out. Blocking him out. But also the story shows us a very powerful and important principle in Scripture. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of their past, People are being saved by Jesus. He goes from a betrayer to a believer, from a sinner to a saint, from belittled, pardon the pun, to beloved. He's seeking the king, and he found him. He may have been seeking for peace and, and prestige and money before, but not now. He's seeking something that money can never buy and money can never supply for him, and he found it. He was seeking hope, which no alliance could ever give, no world power could ever provide, but now he has found a hope like no other. He was seeking a place and position that maybe men would promise but could never give, but now he found a place like no other. Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost and the one who was lost was found and the one who was found now had a place like no other go back to the text and notice specifically what Jesus said nobody in the crowd would have liked this but Jesus gives him position he is a son of Abraham this is a man of faith this is a man who's in the family this is a man who belongs at my table. 
Isn't that an amazing story? Now, can I just address real quick one of these hypothetical dilemmas that I think all of us struggle with? Have you ever wondered and worried about people in the lost jungles of maybe some continent? Did, what happens to them? Are they going to get the gospel? Or, or what about the person who grows up in that, that obscure place or in that back alley? Or, are they going to get the gospel? Well, what happens to them? What happens to them? Are, 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 are they hopeless? I mean, we got to get out there. What if we never get out there? What if we just get there? Are they just lost? I want you to see something in this story. And this is a very, very, very important principle because it's repeated throughout Scripture. Anyone who seeks the Lord will find him. Anyone who seeks the Lord, wherever they are, will find him. We find this repeated all through Scripture in the Proverbs, in Proverbs 8. Those who diligently seek me will find me. Isaiah 55, when talking about the promise and, and, and the restoration of the people, the Lord says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Jeremiah will carry this thought on in Jeremiah 29. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amos, Amos, as he speaks to people living in the pestilence, seek me and you will live. This isn't just a promise. This is a solid promise that anyone, anywhere, at any time who seeks the Lord, they will be found. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount reiterates it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And then when He speaks to us about prayer at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, seek and ye shall find. The point is this. There may be people blocking you out. There may be circumstances that may seem to be hard to overcome. There may be people that we're all worried about. But we know this. Anyone who seeks the Lord with all their heart will find Him. Isn't that a great thought? Isn't that a wonderful thought? The story of Zacchaeus is not about a wee little man, people. It's about salvation. It's about kindness. It's about someone who was invited to the table. Now let's make some application to our lives, all right? Let's make some application here for us. There are people who are desperate to see Jesus. I, I want to speak right now, if I can, please, to anybody who is here this morning and anybody who is watching who may consider themselves to be a seeker, okay? Maybe you're seeking Jesus. You're, you're just really getting into the Bible. You're, you're wanting to learn about Jesus. You're seeking Jesus. Or, or maybe, maybe you, you, you've committed yourself to the Lord, but you're seeking a church and you're seeking uh, people to worship with. Or, 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 or maybe life has just been challenging and, and, and you feel a little hopeless and so you're grasping. You consider yourself in any way, shape, or form to be a seeker. I want to speak to you because here's what I want to say to you. Don't let other people hinder your seeking. Don't let anybody else be a hindrance to your seeking. The fact of the matter is, there's always going to be people out there who inadvertently or purposefully may seem to be blocking you. There's always going to be people that you're around 
who you might consider to be filled with mistakes. Maybe the way they treated you was a mistake. Maybe they have misdeeds in their lives that show that they are living a certain way that is displeasing or dishonorable to you. Maybe there's a misunderstanding in your relationship. Maybe they've given you misery in your life. Or maybe there's actually been true malice coming from them toward you. Don't let that be a hindrance. Think about what it was like for Zacchaeus. Can you see this, this guy trying to see over the crowd? Can you see him just trying to get in to see Jesus? Can you see him constantly being blocked out? And can you hear what's going through his ears when everybody's grumbling? Notice the text says they were grumbling when Jesus called to him. He doesn't let the people be a barrier. One of Satan's greatest tools, and he uses it so well, is he allows us and encourages us to hold others to unachievable standards. And here's what I mean by that. Anybody here been to the perfect church? You're not here because we're perfect? Huh. Well, we need to talk. Anybody here heard the perfect preacher? Perfect sermon. <laughs> see? See? This is my out that I'm getting out on this already, you know? See? Anybody had the perfect friend? The perfect marriage? The perfect relationship? The point is, at one time or another, if you're around somebody or any group long enough, you will be disappointed. There will be friction. Those of you that have been married a long time, you understand this. <laughs> you ever wondered why over and over again the Lord admonishes and encourages His people to be loving people? Because sometimes love's not easy. The point is you keep seeking. And you never, ever, ever stop seeking. Do you feel forgotten, maybe left out or overlooked? Don't stop seeking. Do you feel burdened or overwhelmed or heavy laden? Don't stop seeking. Do you feel betrayed, maybe misunderstood or mislabeled? Don't stop seeking. Do you feel limited, maybe by your physical abilities or maybe your family history or even your family choices? Don't stop seeking. What Zacchaeus shows us is somebody who's determined to see who. Who does he want to see? He wants to see Jesus. And those who seek him will find him. And even more importantly, would you go back, look, look at what Jesus, look at what Jesus and Zacchaeus say to one another. Jesus tells him salvation has come to this house and Zacchaeus says, you know what? I'm a repenter and half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. Who does that? If I ever have done anybody wrong, I mean, he's not saying, you know what, Lord? You know how hard it was for me to get in here today? Do you know how many people were mean to me? These so-called people of God, they were blocking me out. They've been saying mean. He doesn't do that. He said, this is about me and you, Lord. This is about me and you. And if I've done anybody wrong, and when I do do anybody wrong, I'll repay it fourfold. Because seekers seek.
seekers seek. Please don't let the crowd ever, ever, ever discourage you from seeking. The second point. People are being blocked from seeing Jesus. And if the first big deception by Satan is to discourage the seeker from seeking, his second greatest tool is to keep the saved from seeking seekers. Because we feel like, well, once I'm in the group or once I got where I wanted to be, I'm done. Be, be careful. Because what we need to see is Jesus is teaching all of us, are we seeking seekers? Are my eyes, are my ears, are my hands, is my wallet, is my life open to those who are seeking? Do I see them? Because the fact of the matter is they're all around us. They're all around us. There, there may be many reasons why you came here today. Maybe you're a true seeker and you're wanting to learn more about the Lord. Well, we want to share that with you. But to those of you who consider yourself to be a child of God. Do you see what the Lord is telling you? You now have a new calling. Now you're not just seeking the Lord. Praise God, you've found Him. Now you've become a seeker yourself. But that, is that us? Is that us? Am I willing to be comfortable with people who are different than me? Do you like the idea of a Zacchaeus sitting down the road from you? Do you like the idea of somebody who's different from you who came in here? This is going to sound weird, all right? This is going to sound crazy, all right? What if we had bouncers out in front of the church? Can you imagine a church where you came up and you had these, these big old burly guys? I probably would not be allowed to be a bouncer, although I would love to be one. But you had these big old burly guys out there and, and somebody comes up, you know, you want in here? Well, let me tell you, where do you go to church? What's your background? Let me frisk you. You going to give any money today? You know, we had Bible class at nine. Where were you? Can you imagine? <laughs> but sometimes people can be bounced by inadvertent bouncers. Did anybody notice Zacchaeus? Did anybody even see him when he got in the tree? When we think of the concept of church, what is church? Is it a hospital or a hotel? Would it uh, surprise you if I told you that when your shepherds get together and talk that we have a list of problems that we've got to deal with? Would that surprise you? Just challenges. What if, what if your elders were constantly getting together and there were no problems? <laughs> There's just nothing going on. Would that be a good thing? No, it wouldn't, would it? That'd probably be a very, very bad thing. Because the church is a place for people with problems. It's a place for people who are struggling. And every person who understands 
the hospital mentality understands that every single one of us are constantly in need of the care of the great physician. And what the great physician has called me to be, now that I've been found, is to join him in seeking seekers. And the people who are seeking seekers don't have time for fussing and fighting, are not worried about place, are not worried about prominence, are not worried about attention, are not worried about so many things that seem to just ruffle our feathers because they're focused on the seeker. Can I ask you something personal? How many times have you come to an assembly and intentionally sought out somebody you don't know. Shell and I were laughing about this this morning, being preacher's kids, you know, those preacher kids. We also have to go places that were unfamiliar, different places, this, that, and the other, and the kids are like, oh, I don't want to go. Do I have to go to Bible class? Yes, you'll go to Bible class, you'll live. Yeah, but I've never been here before, I don't know me. Ah, but you'll be fine. And remember, we always would give them this deal. You go and meet three people, and when we get back in the car, I want you to tell me about them, tell me their name, and this, that, and that. Oh, yeah, you'll be fine. And they lived. They lived through that torturous parenting that we put them through. Have you ever been to a place and nobody didn't talk to you? You ever had that happen? It's happened here. Can I be honest? It's happened here. It happens because we're not seeking seekers. Not on purpose, blocking them. But who was looking for Zacchaeus that day? Who was going, oh, wait, you can't see? Come on up here, man. God, good to have you. You need to be on the front row. Wow, dude, you're seeking Jesus. This Zacchaeus is here. Come on, people. You'll go back to the end of the story. Notice what Jesus said. Why did I come? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Are we willing to let other people get in front of us? Give them your place. Give them your time. Give them the kindness that's been given to you. And then thirdly, make a little application from the master seeker. You know what made Jesus such a great seeker? First of all, his eyes were always open for the seekers. Yeah, he saw the crowd, but he saw the guy in the tree. He saw the guy up in the tree. And being Jesus, he knew his name. Now, I will say this. Jesus had an advantage on seeking, all right? He knew saw Nathaniel, I saw you under a tree, he sees Zacchaeus. He knows him by name, but he knows 
him by name. And here's what he does. He does this. He says, Zacchaeus, here's what I want to do. I don't just want to talk to you. I don't want to just hang out with you. I want to stay with you. Go back and notice this in the text. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. I must stay at your house. It's not that we're just going to have a quick cup of coffee. The idea here, and many Greek theologians see it this way from the context of the word, it means the idea to spend the night. He was willing to take, he was just passing through town and he decided, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay with Zacchaeus. Now, if you'll go back again, if you would, to the last verse in the story, I want to define two words for you. Now, these aren't on the overhead, but I want you to understand the definition of these two words. The first is the word save. The word save means to rescue. To rescue. It's the idea that somebody is in desperate need of salvation. They are flailing about. They are in no way, in any way, capable of saving themselves. They need a rescuer. And they are saying, we, we have many in our congregation who, who are paramedics and firefighters. Boy, I just love those guys and those gals. They are the bomb. Somebody who will go into harm's way to retrieve somebody who is helpless and rescue them. Jesus says, I'm rescuing people from eternal damnation. Because the next word I want you to see is lost. This is a violent word. This isn't the idea that, you know, you lost something and you just couldn't find it, it was misplaced. The word lost here actually implies destroyed, killed, abolished. This isn't just any rescue mission. This is saving a soul. And Jesus says, that's my purpose. You, you want to sum it all down to one simple thought? I came to seek and save the lost. And seekers who find make that their life's goal as well. And he doesn't just find them. He restores honor and privilege. And he gives them a place with the family. Again, I remind you of the words, a son of Abraham. Wow. Can you imagine what that was like for the crowd to hear? He's a son of Abraham. We, uh, last week when we wrapped up our sermon, we turned to a passage in Titus that just illuminates God's kindness. In Titus 3 and in verses 4 and 7, Paul writes, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Now that's kindness. 
And it might be that somebody here this morning is seeking the Lord. We invite you to the kindness of Jesus. That he gave himself for you. His rescue was giving himself so that you could receive the grace of God. So that you could be found. No longer lost. But to be rescued. And this morning you can have your sins washed away through His blood. You can have the redemption that comes through, the thing, through what He offers through baptism. And you can be saved just like Zacchaeus. By the way, does anybody know what Zacchaeus' name means? Anybody? Anyone? Anyone? Pure. What? Yeah, pure. And he was truly living up to his name. When he found Jesus. Pure. One more thing. Go back to this story. If you could be anywhere in this story, where would you be? Now, you can't be Jesus, all right? Jesus is Jesus, all right? You can't be Jesus. You can act like Jesus, you can't be Jesus. Right, do you want to be the wee little man? No, nobody asked for that. Nobody wants to be the short guy. Let's just be honest, all right? Even if he does make a good turnaround. You don't want to be the crowd, do you? You don't want to be that crowd. Now, people blocking out. Not what I want to be. Can I give you another option? Be the tree. The sycamore tree is easy to climb. It gives its glory to God every day regardless of who acknowledges it, regardless of who praises it, regardless of who recognizes its value. It is always there doing its job, glorifying God. And anybody and anyone who wants to climb all over it is free to and it will lift up anybody to see Jesus because that's its purpose. To be the tree. As the psalmist says, planted by the rivers of water who is deep into the word of God. Who doesn't let the world, the doubters, the disappointers, or even the sinners keep it from its mission. Lift up others. Help them to see Jesus. Because there's no greater reward in life than fulfilling the mission of our Lord. There's no greater joy. There's no greater purpose than seeking the seeker. Boy, it's my prayer this morning that somebody is seeking this morning. I want you to know that your Lord Jesus is there calling you by name. He knows your struggles. He knows your sin. And He's ready to forgive you. And He's calling you to come to Him, just like Zacchaeus, to repent. And He's calling you to the table. His table. And isn't that a great story? It's not just a wee little man. 
In fact, if you thought he was rich when the story began, look at how rich he is when it ends. That's, that's the story of the Bible, the kindness of God. If we can help you in any way receive the Lord's kindness this morning or help you any way and you're seeking the Lord or maybe you're just seeking a church, please come, please come. Let us help you right now while we stand and while we sing.